So listen to this, everyone. In a recent study, it was found that British consumers would be willing to pay £3,654 more a year for eco-friendly household goods and services. Now, if that's not a win, I don't know what is. <laughs> a poll of 2,000 adults found that they spend an average of 12% more for sustainable items on top of their existing annual household outgoings of around £30,000. So the study also found the plight of the planet has become more important to the nation over lockdown, with 81% becoming increasingly concerned about environmental issues, and as we should. I think it's really, really exciting to know that people are changing their mindsets. They're realising that we've got to do something now. This is from the everyday person to business owners, small business owners, larger business owners, we are getting to a time where it's enough is enough. We've got to do something about this now. I'm so excited to get plugged into this conversation that looks into the world of branding and how this ties in with those that are trying to push out more eco-conscious messages, but in a way that we know that they're not greenwashing. So please stay tuned for this. Here's another episode of the 8080 of Sustainability. Be Planet Proud with Yeezy. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the A2 Yezi of Sustainability. Now I'm excited, very, very excited to have Alistair Shapley here with us today. Now Alistair is the founder of AS Design, a UK-based design studio and he has worked with a number of great eco-conscious brands so we're going to have a fantastic conversation around environmental consciousness and the link, I guess, sometimes with branding, especially for those those brands that are seeking to be more eco-friendly. So this should be really, really great. Um, I'm excited to have you here, Alistair. How are you today? I'm good, thanks. Yeah, really excited to be here and um, thanks for asking me. I'm looking forward to having a chat, yeah. Awesome, awesome, great stuff. Now, um, before we get into the main bulk of the conversation, I have an icebreaker for you. So what is the best eco-conscious brand that you have come across and why? Yeah, I, I was having to think about this earlier, and it, I think it's got to be one of the energy companies, so either Ecotricity or Octopus, both doing really interesting stuff in terms of, one, promoting um, green energy use, and two, investing in it, which is sort of a really key thing. Um, I think Ecotricity sort of do some really nice stuff as well, between actually explaining to their customers the difference between a green energy supplier and then green energy certificates, which can be quite confusing. Um, so yeah, I'd, I'd probably go, mm. go with one of them two, um, being quite geeky, not really the most exciting, okay. but um, certainly on, on, on point. <laughs> Ah, lovely. Yes. Um, I mean, Octopus, yeah. It, it, to be honest, all of them, brands like that, they're doing really, really great stuff. I think, especially in spaces when it comes to things that we need, um, it's awesome to kind of see uh, people like Octopus Energy just doing great stuff. So that is a great brand to, to Lux. I love that one. Now, we are going to get stuck into the main bulk of the conversation. And I want you to start off by letting us know a little bit more about yourself. Like, who is Alistair? Who are you? And tell us just a bit more about yourself. Yeah, so um, I run AS Design, uh, as mentioned before. Um, we're a uh, design studio who uh, work with our clients to develop their visual language through digital and print design. Uh, we work predominantly with clients in the construction sector, 
Um, but also we work with clients who have kind of uh, eco-conscious ethos to, to what they want to do. And our design process is a little bit different uh, to most design agencies. We kind of run it in what I call a co-design process, which actually comes from um, the architectural sector. And with that, it allows us to kind of uh, ha have a more in-depth process with our clients so that we can um, get, tell their story with the right narrative and achieve their goals and take sort of mm. all the experience we have in terms of how to visually communicate and mix it with their ideas to really sort of um, get their brand foundations across and allow them to achieve what they want to. Right, that's awesome. That's great stuff. Um, so what kind of giving us some like proper examples of the brands you work with. I know you mentioned some eco-conscious brands. Do you, do you have any like live examples that you can give to us? Yeah, sure. Um, so <clears throat> actually it was quite interesting the other day, one of the um, clients I worked with a while ago and they are um, sort of construction consultants working on health and safety and kind of legislation stuff. Um, they actually became... 80%, they've reduced their uh, carbon footprint by 80%, which is amazing, actually. So it's kind of companies like that. And then we also work with architectural firms. Uh, one of the last ones we work with is Translation Architecture. They um, specializing in retrofitting and um, hospitality sector as part of the um, designing hotels and restaurants and that kind of thing. Um, we also work with um, different, you know, uh, We've also worked with a um, cosmetics and fashion brand who wanted to set up as a um, environmentally conscious brand. Um, what they were doing were sourcing um, different types of products, so skincare, I think they do scars and things like that, and then um, sort of selling them onto, onto a market. And most of their products come from India because that's where they've got the connections. And um, they kind of look for ways of using natural and organic materials and processes, which then they can sell in, into this market. So that was quite interesting um, company to work with, because obviously we had to consider everything from firstly, how they import stuff from India. And then what kind of uh, packaging requirements do they have? Are they packaging the actual product in the UK? Or are they packaging it over in India and then what kind of materials they got? So that was a really interesting project to work with, which we went in kind of a deep dive into the research of um, the materials they can use, especially because cosmetics. Um, and that actually brought up a lot of issues within how an eco-conscious brand can actually be eco-conscious, especially determine it on size and scale. Because um, they're small scale, they couldn't create bespoke packaging because it would be such a cost. Um, and they didn't have the infrastructure to allow for reuse of packaging. Um, so actually like off the shelf packaging was the most sustainable way they could do it at this current time. But the idea was that we put in um, systems that allows for them in the future when they get bigger, when they have larger budgets, when they actually have the capability of doing this to put in reuse systems. So their clients will send them back the old bottles, which they'll then refill and things like that. So there's kind of a variety of work. It is mainly in the construction sector. And I think that has a 
an impact on the way that we design primarily because I think the the construction sector is a kind of head of most other sectors in terms of the thinking and thought behind being sustainable you know that kind of comes from obviously the buildings have to hit a certain criteria so now that their own brands and what they do also has to hit a certain criteria and um, I think that's really sort of pushing uh, a drive to design brands and marketing collateral in a completely different way so it's really exciting so yeah we work with a variety of different people but um, hopefully that gives a bit of an idea of what we do. That is super, super exciting. And do you know what's quite interesting there is to find that, um, also to learn that a lot of these smaller businesses are considering circularity from an early stage, because I think that's something that's really important, especially moving forward in a more mindful and eco-conscious way. So if you can try and consider that circular economy model from early on, then what you do is you just eliminate what appears to be barriers now for a lot of existing companies at the beginning. So instead, like you said there, look, we can't afford X, Y, Z, but when we do get to this amount of orders or we get to this amount of things, this is what we're going to do. This is how we're going to put the systems in place. This is what we're going to... I think doing it that way is very impressive and it just shows that a lot of businesses are considering stuff like this, especially now, um, instead of it just being more of a linear, a linear model, which doesn't hold anybody accountable for anything they're doing so and that's fantastic and even with the um the other firm that you were talking about 80 percent that's that's a lot and that's impressive and that's that's good eco news i'm really happy that we've yeah. got that good news today now kind of looking at things from a, a i want people to understand more about why i guess branding is important if we look at things like visual languages and stuff like that um why would you say it for a brand it's really really essential that they get their visual language correct i said especially those kind of brands that um that are that have like an eco-consciousness at the center of what they do how does it how does it play a role in that like why is that important yeah so i mean especially in terms of branding and visual communication it, it it's all a part of how a business um connects with its audience and um, the best way I can describe branding is that it's your emotional, uh, your audience's emotional response to the to the company, which is why it's so important and why how you portray yourself um, brings that connection and trust in your audience, which makes them actually kind of be return customers and use you and, and customers in the first place. Um, and also when you're talking about um, like narrative and storytelling, you can, if you're not portraying yourself in the, the right way, your audience will never know how to engage with you or what you're about. And um, so that's kind of the visual idea of, of how branding works. But it kind of, in the material process of it, if you're a eco-conscious brand, you have to design your core knowing um, that sustainability is, is what you're trying to do. And that, in that very essence, means that a lot of decisions um, will be taken at that very early stage. So effectively, if you're saying you're an eco-conscious business, then in your marketing and how you do that um, completely changes. So effectively, you've got to start looking at 
website hosting and how your digital presence is and how that um, is impacted, um, like impacting the environment, which is a, quite a difficult thing to some extent to actually know how much your digital presence is affecting it. Um, and then you've also got the uh, physical presence. And, you know, if you're, so say if you're an architecture business, you're producing brochures and things like that, you've got to start thinking them in a different way. So um, it's a few years ago, it would have been the idea of you print these brochures and they just kind of get thrown in the bin after a few weeks. Well, now if you're an eco-conscious brand, then actually you don't want that to happen. You want these kind of print resources to last a long time and to really engage with your audience so they actually keep it or that you can reuse it yourself in different ways. So um, an example of that is a brochure we've just done for uh, Stratum, who are a resin flooring company, and uh, they produce uh, environmentally friendly resin floorings for all sorts of different types of uh, venues and uh, building types. They've just done the Camden Roundhouse, uh, just done the flooring there. So they do some quite interesting stuff. Um, and their floorings all kind of uh, have patterns in and things like that as well, which kind of makes them a bit exciting. But um, they wanted a, a brochure. And because they have this sustainable um, aspect to their product, they obviously wanted that in their branding as well. And that meant that we had to sort of ask questions at the very beginning, which were about, you know, what is this brochure going to achieve? How is it going to be reusable? How are we going to make sure that your audience actually keep it for once? And how do we make it as um, effective as possible? And it sort of, through a lot of conversations, it became not just one brochure, but a series of smaller brochures, which they could chop and change. They can custom make them. They can package it and send it to the direct audience. And with that, it also gave a, a nice amount of customization as well as um, a human touch. So they wrote little notes in with their little packages, which they did and had little sleeves on them. And because it wasn't just one thick brochure they just gave to everyone, it was this kind of two or three small brochures which are very targeted of what their that specific audience are wanting. Um, so, you know, it means that the, the audience is actually going to keep it. And that's what we really wanted to do is have something that they that their audience felt that was engaging enough to put on their shelves and leave as an actual book. And it changed it completely. Also, the way that we made it um, has been done in the most sustainable way. So we use FSC type of paper, uh, Calvert's is our printers, um, and they're one of, one of the most sustainable printers, I think, in the UK now. Uh, they're based in London, they're really great. Um, and they also use um, sustainable inks, like vegetable inks and that kind of thing. And we also sort of did it with the idea in mind that, um, so it was two stitch uh, brochures, a series of them. And with that, you can actually unpick the stitching and switch out pages. So we don't have to reprint the whole brochure if they have a, an image change and things like that. They can just kind of reassemble it, which was kind of a key thing of actually do we need to constantly be changing an entire brochure just in case someone wants to switch out a picture, you know. Um, so it was all these kind of conversations which come from the very beginning of the core of why your branding is so important and that messaging you want to come across. You know, it's sort of, it seems a bit 
high level when you start talking about the strategy of branding and how the visual communication kind of comes across. But then when you actually start producing all the collateral and things like that, then you actually start realizing that the decisions made at that core stage um, of your strategy impact the latter stages and how the actual things that your audience actually interact with. Um, so yeah, so it's, it's really important to get the whole kind of holistic scale of it. Yeah, you are absolutely right. I think people definitely need to start as they need to go on, especially if you're a newer business, um, as we mentioned earlier, um, kind of looking more at adopting a, a, a circular model um, is going to work better. And then the thing is, it just holds, it holds you as a business more accountable, I guess, as well. Instead of just printing, as we've just mentioned there, they're kind of looking at, okay, so let's look at our, our audience let's look at whether they're actually going to take this print and chuck it in the bin or if they're going to use it for something. Let's try and make it something that's that they can then use. And I think it's asking yourself those questions is, is really important. I think it's something that ultimately we should have been doing for a very long time, but instead people were just producing stuff without thinking about the afterlife of the product. But now we are considering the afterlife of the products and the materials and the uh, and stuff like that. So um, that's interesting. So it kind of like leads nicely onto the next question I want to ask you around like the science of eco-conscious branding. And if there is anything like that, like would you say that for eco-conscious brands, there is a certain checklist or a certain way in which they have to position themselves or um, are there like similarities? Because I know that with other brands, they'll come to you, they probably look different and you can just kind of adopt, a, um, you can kind of go down any routes. But if a brand is eco-conscious um, or like they've got an environmentally friendly product or whatever it is, would you say that there's kind of like a, there's a way in which you approach that um, as opposed to other brands? Yeah, I mean... I think I, I, I think there is. Um, I mean, my process is very bespoke depending on the client as well. But I think it, as designers, we should be doing that kind of process anyway, no matter who it is, we should be designing in the most sustainable way. And what that actually kind of means is that at the very beginning, we're asking slightly different questions. And as you mentioned, we're asking um, about the lifespan of certain products and things like that, of how it works. We're considering the impact from the very beginning. And we're also asking the fundamental question of why are we doing this and what's the impact? You know, those kind of questions at the very beginning um, should just be part of design now. You know, we're getting to the stage where climate change and, you know, how we impact where we live and how we live it is a huge deal and should just be part of the design process so no matter who what type of business it is they should always be asking these questions of you know is this necessary how are we going to impact the environment how is this going to have an impact on you know people uh, you know at the end of the day because that's kind of what we're actually talking about here is not necessarily the impact of the environment but impact of our environment and how we live um and then, you know, how do we do this? How do we produce something which does have the least amount of impact to, to how we do, but as well as engages the audience and, uh, you know, brings a bit of brightness to people's lives? I think that's what most businesses kind of want anyway. So, yeah, hopefully that answers it. 
Yes, no, that absolutely did. And, and it's interesting that you say it's important to adopt that kind of attitude towards any brand. And I think that is definitely the start of, of permanent change for the way we we approach things around like branding and um, helping people with their um, visual comms as well. It's like, if we can just adopt that as a general practice, regardless of what you do, you also help that brand kind of sit back and go, wait, we ought to be doing this better or okay, maybe those numbers are not quite as accurate as we thought they were. So it, it does kind of help, I guess, with that, with that accountability as we discussed prior. Now, another thing that I've noticed, right, and I don't know whether you agree or disagree, we can agree to disagree as well, if that's the case, um, is that a lot of brands use, especially eco-conscious brands, they go for the greens and the browns and the like, and the plants, like there is a certain style. So if I walk into a store, I can usually tell if a brand is eco-friendly because of the kind of products they use. Like you can just tell the colouring. It's usually kind of the dull, subtle earth tones, the greens, as I mentioned there, and the browns and and the cardboardy type um, type look. Now, do you think that this fixed colour palette is things something we should stick to? Um or like what would you what are your thoughts on that like in terms of the the color palettes yeah i mean this reminds me of the british rail logo recolor which has just happened which where they've just put it in different shades of green and yeah i mean as i sort of said before it's that sort of slight thinking that we should actually just be um environmentally conscious from the very beginning so using green to be green in terms of uh how your brand is feels a, a, a little bit like just greenwashing so you don't necessarily understand the actual implications of what you're meant to be doing you're just kind of putting a color and then going yeah look at us we're sustainable byproducts and i think that is what's kind of changing people's narratives of how actually we design um environmentally um conscious brands is that we actually step away from that color palette because people are being so um, in in their the color palette is so in other in their face all the time, and with companies which aren't necessarily sustainable using it, it's it's sort of seen as a bit of put a bit of green color on it, and it's sustainable, which is obviously kind of a bit ridiculous now. So and. Brands shouldn't be focusing on um, using green or earth tones as a sustainable brand. Your brand message might be completely different and need a completely different color palette. And just your sustainability is your core. Doesn't mean you need to use green in it. I mean, I'll go back to um, one of my recent branding projects is that Stratton Resin Flooring. Um, even though it's environmentally... Um, environmentally friendly flooring we've actually used a very limited color palette of a bright orange a black and a gray so it's kind of yeah I, I completely don't think that we should be using green or anything you know the, the colors um that are used in branding are so important that we shouldn't just kind of be greenwashing it in the literal sense of putting green on stuff just to make it sustainable i think colors are so emotionally responsive that it needs to be considered with an overall brand structure and brand strategy um, that yeah needs to sort of actually step away from what is 
sometimes seen as a bit of a, oh, I can't remember the word, a, a bit too cliche now. Most definitely. I think it's interesting because I, I mentioned to you earlier that we ourselves at EAC, as a lot of you guys that are listening will know, went through our own recent rebranding and we completely stepped away from those traditional colours of kind of like the whites and the green um, and we went for this kind of like electric neon yellow and um, this kind of like deep blue which... It's, it's quite interesting because it's just polar opposite, I guess, to what you'd be expecting from, from a company like ours. Um, but we just knew that like, we, we just didn't want to, we didn't want to do things that way anymore at all. So it's, it's, it shows that I think a lot of brands are getting to the point now where they realise, look, we don't have to just be green or brown. Like we can definitely do things in a different way. And, you know, a couple of podcasts ago, we were talking about this, like nature is colourful anyway. So it's time for the sustainable brands to reclaim colour. If you feel pink, be pink. If you feel yellow, be yellow. If you feel orange, be orange. All these colours can be found in nature anyway. So it's, um, it's like, it is almost like the natural thing to do if you know what I mean, for people to step away from it. I'm not against it. Oh, yeah. and I don't want anyone here that's got like a green brand to think, oh no, they're, they're attacking us. But it's just, I guess, for people to feel like they can, like dare to be different, dare to stand out. You don't just have to do uh, what everybody else is doing when it comes to um, their kind of the colours they're going for with their brand. So yeah, like just step out sometimes. You don't have to. Um be like everyone else if you don't want to so <laughs> that's definitely something that's there i really like the way you was talking about yeah there's loads yeah. of colors in nature and just like thinking about it you know you think of the american fall all the kind of oranges and uh, and browns and yellows which come out um in japan you've got the rose blossoms which are like uh what are they pinks and whites and stuff like that so um so yeah i mean you shouldn't you don't have to be green now you don't have to use the color green just to come across as sustainable. I think it's kind of a bit overdone no. and um, people see through it as well. I think that's the main thing. I think you've really got to kind of think of your messaging and what's your actual kind of unique selling point and what you, what story and narrative are you really trying to tell your audience? And that's where your color should come from. Not just because you want to be sustainable. You know what? You're absolutely right. And I think uh, what I, if I had to give advice to any brands or people that got products, I would just say you want to be like a viable option. Um, I think I'm a little bit tired of sustainable products being like, like a weird thing, you know, it's a viable option, like anything else. It's like, do I wear a short sleeve top or a long sleeve top? Like, it should be available right next to everything else, the way everyone else brands, it should be there. And that's what we want brands to gear towards anyway, and to just see, we're not trying to alienate ourselves. For those of us that are that are helping or looking after um, sustainable brands or products or services, we don't want to alienate ourselves from the market at all. It's a business at the same time. It's just we're working in a different way. We're working according to a different model. So when you see the AZ app on the app store, we don't want it to be like, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> we want people to be like, oh, you know, like, oh, this looks interesting. I want to click on that. I want to look at that. When they go onto our social media, we want them to feel like they can engage with it. We want, we recognise that we're marketing to humans at the end of the day. And humans love colour. Like, I mean, we love it. And like I mentioned there before, like we were saying, like with nature, it's all around us. Like colour is everywhere. So why not embrace it? And why not use it? Um, and I almost feel like the more encrypted it is, <laughs> the more difficult it is to spot 
the sustainable brands like straight away. I do think then we people have a fair chance of positioning themselves properly as well. And other brands will be like, oh wow, like they're not just using that tone or this colour. They're they're competing like everybody else. So um that's also like I guess an interesting swing on that whole thing as well. Yeah, totally. And it is quite interesting what yeah. you're sort of saying about how you stand out now from the crowd. And I think because you know, green has has been so sort of cliched and 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 stigmatized that actually now as a sustainable brand, you you might want to sort of step away just so people don't kind of go, oh, just another sustainable company which has been cliched. Um, and I think there's a lot of stigma which has sort of come around from, you know, the sort of how people got into sustainability in the first place and where it sort of came about from. I mean, one of my previous uh, employers was. Um, an environmental consultancy and they've been doing it since the 90s and of course at that point green wasn't necessarily associated with sustainability but they were like part of that first wave which then sort of made people kind of go oh actually yeah green sustainable let's use that and now kind of it's quite interesting because they're trying to sort of use green in a different way and add sort of really accent colors to try and differentiate differentiate themselves so they're kind of you know seeing that idea of, of stigma type and kind of trying to fight against it of how they do it. Um, so yeah, it's quite interesting. Oh my gosh, 100%. I think it's like, it's a weird thing because it's almost become a bit of like an in thing, um, which is a bit icky to say, but it has. Um, everyone's talking about it. Sometimes I think things like that have its, it has its, its pros because we're having the conversations that we need to have. But at the same time, um, if we look at things like greenwashing or just like you said, just using green or something or just slapping sustainability on something um, without necessarily having the claims. It's like sometimes I, I wish that brands realise it's not just something you say. Um, if you're making claims that this particular product is going to help you lower your carbon footprint, then I think that it should do that. Um, so there's definitely that there as well. Now, it'd be really interesting to find out from you how you think um, we could bridge the gap between greenwashing through messaging and communicating exactly what the brand is about and where they're at. Because I do think we're at a stage now where transparency is really, really important. I think a lot of people want to know that whatever claims the brands are making, that they're actually doing that, for example, um, and that they're not just, I don't know, making things up. So... How do you think how do you think people can bridge the gap? And is that part of what you do? Do you kind of ask for the exact numbers and then that helps you when it comes to um, uh, working out the communication stuff? Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of it comes down to actions more than anything else. And just because a company's saying something doesn't mean they're actually doing it. And I think most, you, you can tell most brands which are actively thinking about their impact and stuff will be doing what is the most to reduce it you know and that's then looking at what kind of print collateral they're doing how they're doing it and then you know you can look at their digital presence as well but i also think um transparency which is something which is so needed in a lot of industries and sectors and actually being open and honest about what you're doing and i think like we we're sort of mentioning before size isn't necessarily matter you can be small and talk about what you want to do and show the ways you're doing it but you don't necessarily have to be achieving 
the most sustainable goals at the forefront. I think just being open and honest about it is probably the best way. And that will then mean that, you know, companies which aren't being open and honest about it are shown to just be the kind of superficial greenwashing that you're kind of noticing. And that's kind of how real change is going to happen with kind of companies opening up. And that is actually sort of true for a lot of things, not just um, being um, like environmentally conscious. Like you do the same thing with your diversity attitude to your business as well and inclusivity and, and everything else. If you start opening up to the public and your staff, then you actually start having a lot more engagement and people start believing in you again. And it's those kind of things which are really key to kind of get down in, in how you actually kind of interact and relay those messages um, and how easy you make it for people to access that information. Um, that's the only real way of, of proving that you're not just greenwashing is actually kind of stepping up and saying, this is exactly what we're doing. Like actually, um, for example, the, um, the my previous client who's who's just had those amazing kind of um, carbon reductions. They um, they're called Senna Consulting, and um, they've just invested in um, electronic cars for all their staff because they do a lot of site visits to actually get around the site. And they're full electric cars, they're full electric vehicles, and they set themselves up that task. And that's one of the many ways that they're actually reducing their carbon footprint. You know, and that, and that action of them saying this is what we've done and also the presence that their staff is going to be driving around in these cars turning up to site visit in these cars is going to impact and prove that they're really ste stepping up the game of how they kind of do that as well as um being open and honest about who their energy provider is um again they're quite open and honest about going with o octopus now and forming that relationship and that's kind of how they're proving to their audience that they are actually aiming to hit these targets and they're working uh, their way to do it. Also, there's a couple um, things as well to look out for, which is if they've got ISO 14001, I think that's what, or is it 9001, which is the environmental credentials. You can also have a look if they've uh, got FSC certified or anything else like that. Yeah, no, that's really, really interesting. I think sometimes when you're kind of scoping for for that authenticity, you can kind of tell quite quite early on because of how honest um, and how transparent the brand are willing to be. And I think, like you said there, people definitely do seek the truth more than anything. I think I would definitely prefer to know that a brand is working towards A, B, C goals um, than for them to make claims that they're doing all this stuff um, but then they're not doing it. And I think the, the biggest danger around that as well is that we find that a lot of consumers that maybe are not knowledgeable in the space or don't have much of an idea as to, you know, is this actually lowering my carbon footprint? Is this um, actually the, the, the best choice? All they need to do is see the, you know, see sustainable on something or see that, oh my gosh, this is, you know, we're making claims that this is the most eco-friendly xyz and they'll just make that purchase or make that choice thinking that you've as the brand have taken on the the uh, responsibility of doing the thinking doing the research for them without actually knowing that whether it's true or not and i think that can be quite dangerous because what we then find is brands that are greenwashing um are making a lot of money 
off of claims that just are not true. So whilst I might be buying into something thinking that, oh, this is like the best, most, most, most sorry, sustainable option, uh, it just isn't. And I think that can be quite, quite scary. Um, definitely. Yeah, totally. And I think the thing with that as well is that when certain brands put on sustainable sustainability in front of their product, they're not just doing it because they're sustainable, they're doing it so they can actually increase the cost of that product, which is sort of what we've been seeing nowadays is as soon as you whack sustainable or anything kind of or eco-friendly on a product, they'll mark up the prices even though they don't actually have to, just because it's got that that label on it. Yeah. And that's kind of seen as well in the energy sector, which is kind of quite interesting that you have certain brands uh, and well, certain companies which will invest in um, green technologies and or either have their own sort of green farms, um, green energy farms. So that could be solar farm uh, or um, tidal, what, however they make it. And then you've got companies which trade in, I can't remember the, the, the exact name for, but I think they're green energy certificates. And that actually just means that they can kind of carbon offset what they're making, um, which is kind of seems a bit of a con and is uh, Ecotricity actually released a video about it. And it's definitely worth having look there, the information they've got on their website about actually working out what companies are buying or creating uh, green energy on the ones which are just um, dealing in certifications. And they're two very different things and one's greenwashing one's not it's very interesting to see the the dynamics between the two um and yeah i think it is really scary because it, it, it means that the the consumer can't get an honest account of what they're buying you know and it, it does kind of trick them and it does kind of give this disinformation that actually what they might be buying might not actually be sustainable and it's, it's an awful sort of thing to be part of and um yeah, it just seems crazy at the moment that we're in a society which does allow for that as well, which isn't really clamping down on it other than other companies are, are calling it out. I think there does need to be a lot more transparency about what we're buying, how we're buying it, and um, how companies are actually fulfilling their pledges in, um, in sustainability and, and environmental change. Oh my gosh, yes, absolutely. And do you know what I... I... There's a, a tool called goodonyou.eco. I don't know if you've heard of it. Um, and what they basically do is they help the consumer understand more about the environmental and ethical impacts of um, a lot of like fast fashion businesses or like fashion brands in general um, by giving them a rating based on different things that they've managed to do your research into. So that that way you can just go on the website, type in XYZ and then it will come up with their rating, this is what they're doing, this is how they're treating um, staff along the supply chain. So looking at the ethics, looking at um, looking at the sustainability ratings and stuff like that. And I think tools like that are very, very helpful because it just means that there is someone out there, bless their group, that has managed to do all that research on your behalf so that you just don't have to. And I think the more people that know about um, platforms like that, 
the easier it is because I think it can be quite difficult to know what to look at if you're not an expert in the field like what I don't know like how do I start should I go in with you know with a scanner and start looking at the labels and stuff I don't some people don't even understand much about materials and like if something's cotton if it's something's denim they don't know the impact of the two so it's it's nice to know that there are several tools like that out there like good on you is a good one um even like platforms like fashion revolution on on instagram that kind of look at all the fashion brands and give you further insight into it and then also do you know what i'm going to drop a little plug for yozy and platforms like yozy i mean we've got a blog we've got our podcast we've got the actual app it's allowing people it's like empowering people to learn more to find out more um in a way that they can easily digest um because sometimes again it can be overwhelming there's a lot of information you say the word sustainability what does that even mean it's such a broad term you say the term eco-friendly what does that mean it's such a broad term so if there are platforms out that can help break this down in a way that people can understand then it's easier for the consumer to make a more informed decision knowing that they've got the information that they need um, and they can comprehend as well what that means to them. So that's definitely um, quite exciting from that, wouldn't you say? Yeah, no, it's, it's yeah, really exciting. Um, I was, that, that's just kind of reminded me of, of uh, my friend's uh, company, which I'll just do a little plug for, is uh, Accelerating Change Together. And they're creating a series of tools to look up um, oh. so that your business can sort of um, figure out how they're performing against sustainable sustainable development targets, um, which, which is amazing. They're sort of just starting up this kind of um, idea to try and help businesses actually perform and develop their business in a more sustainable way in a really easy-to-use guide. I mean, that's kind of one of the things they're trying to do is, like, promote tools and create tools to sort of achieve this, which is really good and then um there's a certain other online options for materials i think one's called a better source or something like that um can't quite remember the top of the head but you know mm. for someone like me who does a bit of um packaging and especially print collateral having a uh, directory of materials and things like that is is really um essential i mean i've, I've been kind of building my own up uh, over the past few years, just making notes of um, what companies are out there, what kind of uh, their sustainability credentials there are for the kind of materials. But having an online source and things like that you can actually refer to um, is is really helpful. And in architecture, there's been some quite interesting um, packages and products coming out um, which sort of rely on similar things. And they're not just looking at the product in the initial sense, but they're looking at the lifespan of the product. So they're putting, being able to actually put the product information into their kind of like computer models and um, put in environmental um, impacts. So according to how much wind, where they're located in the world and actually look at how long that um, product is gonna last for. You know, and these could be like your windows or things like that, you know, actual physical materials on the building or your facade and things like that. So some really exciting um, tools and products and, and companies coming out now, which, uh, and obviously like yours actually sort of being able to give you data sets and data, which is actually really difficult to mine in the first place. Um, and yeah, it's, it's just one way of actually allowing for users to be able to, 
make more informed decisions about how they can uh, reduce the impact and what products they actually kind of want to buy and consume. I think that's just it's just the way forward. Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. And it's it's that the mindfulness and the consciousness, because the thing with being mindful and being conscious is it doesn't necessarily have action attached to it. It just means you're aware, right? You know, right? I'm aware of this. I'm conscious of this. So this may or may not affect my, um, my decisions. But I think the more mindful, the more conscious that people become, the, the, the more chance that they're going to make a, a, a more positive um, choice or decision, which is what we need. So tools like even the ones that you said there with the accelerate and change together, that sounds fantastic. Like um, the good for you that I've mentioned before. I mean, all of these, um, all of these brands are, are really, really important and really great. So I'm, I'm happy that we're getting to a space now where we're actually giving people what they need. Um, because like I keep saying, sometimes I'm, I'm like, don't be naive. Um, and don't think that people should automatically know this because I didn't know this once upon a time. So some of the stats and facts that I've got, um, it's only because I'm working in a space that I have the privilege of knowing that, as I mentioned before. So, and that's with everyone, anyone that's worked with an eco brand, there are things that you know about visual identity and communications, colors, branding, that somebody that doesn't know about that just wouldn't bear in mind or take into consideration. So yeah, there definitely has to be that, that we, that we also bear in mind. Now, from your perspective, Alistair, what kind of thing should a brand consider from more of an eco perspective when rebranding or launching for the first time? So if I'm a business or a brand, I'm like, I, I want to rebrand. I know we spoke a little bit about it earlier in terms of looking at a more circular or adopting a more circular model, um, which I think is very important. But are there any like key things that even for you as someone that's then going to step in as a consultant or as, a, as an agency that would be handy for you to have as information going into that space? Um, are there any things that you would kind of advise people like, have this down, have this down, understand this, know this? I don't know if that's, um, if that's something you can answer. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it, it, it's obviously different for whatever type of company you're doing. But I think having a, an open mind and not being so rigid about what you kind of want as an outcome, I think that's really key. Um, I was, I've, I've just actually put a little blog post about the value of a designer and that sort of, that value actually comes from the initial brief stage where actually if someone say comes to you, comes to me saying, I want a website and um, instead of just doing the website, what we'd do is actually ask questions about, okay, what's the website want to achieve? Why do you need it? Why do you feel you need it? You know, and, and, and all these kind of questions, actually that's the, the point at which you need a very open mind about um, being more sustainable as a company. Because it might be that, yes, everyone's got a website, but actually your company may not need a full website. So therefore, you're actually reducing, you know, your carbon imprint by not having one. You know, that's the best way of actually being sustainable is not to kind of like do something. That's the initial round of kind of thought process. And that doesn't mean they don't have a digital presence, but it just means that they can actually utilize other platforms which are out there um, to allow for them to have that digital connection with their audience. Not everyone needs a website nowadays. I mean, there's 
you know, thousands, hundreds of thousands, probably even millions of websites. And I think I read somewhere that actually a large majority of them are dead websites and dead data. Um, so, you know, effectively they've been made 10 years ago or something, and then people just have either left them there, not done anything, but they're still data in this system. And that's actually still using energy. I think that's one of the main things about uh, the digital space, which is so hard to kind of comprehend, is actually because it's on your computer and it's this big cloud-based system, but we don't necessarily think actually, you know, these huge factories of data centers are needed to actually maintain this kind of level of, of data. And that actually, if you start reducing how much digital space and storage you take up, you're actually already reducing your carbon footprint in, in a way that you're not using as much energy to maintain these servers. So it's that those kind of thought processes. And again, going back to like printed material, if, if, if someone's saying, oh, we actually, we really want a leave behind brochure, it's actually, why do you need it? What do you want it to do? How do you want to perform? And, you know, those kind of questions. And, and that means that coming into the process, you need to be able to have the flexibility of mindset that what you think is an outcome might not be the outcome you actually need. You know, and that's in terms of how you're communicating yourself as well as the um, environmental impact that you actually want in the first place. So as long as you kind of understand that, and I would also say talk to a designer as soon as possible. So say if you're a new brand, instead of trying to kind of like do it on your own, I would always talk to a designer and a designer that you trust to make sure that you actually know what you uh, need um, to to launch, you know, because there's so much information out there about you need every single social media presence, you need, you know, a huge website giving everyone, you need like a blog space, but actually you need someone to look at your visual output, look at how, what you want to achieve and where your audience is to actually determine a bit more of a targeted approach so you're not just scattergunning everything. I think that's kind of one where the value of a designer comes from, but also the the value of thinking uh, in a more uh, eco-conscious way is the fact that actually, do I need this? Can I reduce it? Can I cut it out? And what's more important to focus on? Oh my gosh, that's great. Like I'm, I'm literally like everybody needs to hire Alistair because I think what you're offering is very different to what some designers would offer. I mean, you're, you're looking at a lot more um, that I, than I know that designers look at, uh, which is fantastic because it's really, really true. There has to be that open-mindedness and there has to be that kind of, that open conversation to say, we want you to look at your product or your service uniquely we don't want you to look at it according to what everyone else is doing yes they might have banners and they might have three websites and they might be on this platform and that platform but maybe facebook isn't a great place for you maybe twitter just doesn't work maybe because you're more visual instagram's a better space to be on don't be on twitter maybe tiktok's the place i think you're right i think people sometimes feel like ah i gotta do it all gotta be present gotta be there ah, like let's approach everything um and that isn't always the case and in this weird way, you can lower your carbon footprint as a business by being selective about where you put yourselves because 
yes, using the internet has a large carbon footprint attached to it. Let's not pretend like it's not. It does. Um, this stuff doesn't just ha happen. It takes up a lot of energy and electricity. I think sometimes people think like the internet's a safe way. Not all the time. <laughs> it's like this data is somewhere. It's being it's being charged up uh, and it's. It's, there's servers and there's all sorts involved with it. Um, I think the more knowledge that people know, then the more knowledgeable, should I say, that people are, the they can make better decisions. So you're definitely right there. I think um, it's having that open mind um, and not being rigid, as you mentioned, like not saying that it has to be this way. We have to copy what that brand's doing or it's their way or the highway. I find a lot of brands do that. They compare and contrast too much. Um, and then what happens is you just lose your personal identity because you're so focused on what everyone else is doing. And as I always say, the winners are not looking at you. The people who are creating and being unique, they're not looking at you. You're looking at them. So you want to find your own 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 um, stance. And you also want to, pardon my pun, find your own footprint um, and, and make it and, make, and kind of then go with that instead of saying, I'm going to follow what everybody else is doing. Um, so those are really interesting things. And as you said, like if you're, as a designer, if you're coming in, it's like you want to help them adopt a more a more circular model or be more eco-conscious as well. These are the kind of questions that people need to be asking. So if, in fact, up and coming designers that are listening, th these are like some free, free hacks here that Alice is giving you. He could be charging you a lot of money to consult on how you should be moving forward with your business. Uh, but this is the important things for mind that I didn't even think of. <laughs> you might have to start charging people um, <laughs> to give them some of these nuggets, but there it's, it's, it's great information really really valuable information um so we're, we're drawing to an end slowly but surely um this has been a really 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 fantastic chat and i think uh, there's all sorts that we can explore around this i think as more businesses are becoming more eco-conscious and more um and seeking to be more environmentally friendly we're going to see a shift in the way they're approaching design right um and the way in which they're presenting themselves too so it must be an exciting time for you as well as a, as a design studio. So what would you say for you is the, the one thing that you love um, about the shift that's happening when it comes to brands being more eco-conscious? Is there anything in particular that you're like, I really like this, this is positive? Um, it's got to be down to the mindset of my clients. I'm very lucky to have a um, probably the nicest clients that I've, I've um, heard any other designer actually have um, you hear all the oh, horror great. stories about you know um, clients never paying you on time clients being over demanding not necessarily but all my clients that I've had have paid you know before they were meant to they've been the most friendliest of clients ever and they've kind of really engaged with what I've um, been talking to them about and that's been the nicest part of this is having them with this, um, the mentality of kind of coming in, trusting what I'm talking about and trusting the directions that we're doing and sort of taking the brand that um, we've created and actually running with it. That's been really nice. I saw um, some someone did, uh, one of my um, clients did an event the other day and they gone off and made their own banners, but they'd actually embraced a lot of the things we've been talking about, you know, uh, you know, and uh, applying their brand identity and visual language to it. Um, and it looked really good, you know, and I love the fact that they can 
go and do it themselves. A lot of what I do, um, it may be detriment to my own business of uh, not making like loads and loads of money. But, you know, at the end of the day, as I make brands that, you know, people want to take forward and understand that they can do themselves and actually grow as a business. Um, so, which is so nice to actually do and, and they can then go off and start exploring the tools and the systems that we've put in place and how they can actually make it work for them and so they don't have to spend loads of money and on you know designers and getting everything designed perfectly they can just use a simple set of tools and make it look you know exactly what they how they want it to come across they've got the story and narrative that they are um, portraying as well as that mindset of not everything needs to be done um, so that we can take things off in, in terms of impact as well and, and have that thought of, okay, if I actually produce or make this, how is it going to be um, implemented? How is it going to be made? What's the most effective way of doing that? And I think that's been the nicest thing um, to come back from this is that um, I've been lucky enough to work with clients who all have that mentality and have all understood the overall goal that we're all that are trying to achieve uh, together whenever we work on a project. It's so nice to sort of work with them. Oh my gosh, 100%. I think it makes all the difference when you're working with great people who actually believe in what they're doing um, and they are they are fully tuned in and they're open to learning and they, they have you there as the experts and they're willing to listen. I think that makes it makes all the difference because it's a nightmare, right? When you get someone that's so rigid that they kind of think that they know and it's like, do you need my help or not? Like you've kind of hired a designer to come in place, right? To help you. But it's like, do you need my input, my creative input, or do you not? And as because you are the specialist in that space, I think it's really important that and really nice actually, should I say, that um that you have that kind of relationship with them and you've managed to build um like positive relations with people, which is again, which is great. I don't think it I think it's every consultant, every freelancer's dream, right, to just have great clients. So happy for you happy that that's the case um so what would you um what would you say where would you say sorry i'm saying what would you say <laughs> where um can people find you because i think there are a lot of people after this chat that are going to be like we need as design um and it'll be great for them to know more about where they can reach you um if you're on linkedin what your website is if you've got a website if you've got social media where they can find you on socials as well i think this has been such an important conversation and i think a lot of people really do need to sit down and think how do i want to move forward um because everything's important it's not just about the materials it's also about how you communicate what you're doing to your audience so um yeah how where can people find you yeah um totally agree with that um so they can find me on my website, which is uh, asdesignlondon.com, or one word, obviously. Um, also on LinkedIn is probably the best place. I'm on there quite actively because that's where most of my clients actually engage. So either search for my name or, again, asdesign, uh, and it'll come up there. Um, and uh, I am on Instagram, so you can find me on there, but I'm not very active on there. I just kind of post the, the odd bits. So LinkedIn or have a look at my website and all the contact information's on there so you can just find me there. 
Fantastic. So everyone's heard it. You've heard it here first. ASDesignLondon.com. And if you look for Alistair Shapley on LinkedIn, you will find him there and he will be willing to connect with you. And I'm sure if you've got um, a design query or some someone that you need to get on board, he will be willing to help you create the best eco-friendly visual identity that anyone has ever seen. So that's always exciting. It's exciting that they can connect with you there. So I just want to thank you. Thank you so much for, for being great. Thank you so much for, for being involved in this conversation with myself. I think, as I mentioned previously, people are going to learn a lot from this and realise that being living sustainably, being eco-friendly, being environmentally conscious isn't rigid. It isn't just for one thing. As I said, it's quite a broad thing that covers so many different things. And right down to strategy, right down to looking at visual identities. It's there. The questions that we're asking are there. And people like yourself are doing the groundwork to ensure that we move forward in a positive way. So that is fantastic. And um, it's just, um, I guess, like I say, we'll give you your flowers for that. It's, it's fantastic that you're doing that. So thank you so much. I don't know if there's anything else that you want to say. Do you have any last words? No, just thanks so much for asking me to chat it's been great really enjoyed it this morning and it's so nice to see you with so much energy bringing um yeah so much energy oh. to actually changing the way uh, like people interact with sustainability and climate change and all that kind of stuff as well as making it more accessible you know with this data that we sort of mentioned about before i think it's great so yeah thanks so much it's uh, it was a pleasure no, thank you. Thank you. So guys, as we mentioned there, make sure that you connect with Alistair. Make sure you connect with AS Design. You already know what's coming next. You can follow us across all social media at Yazy App. And yes, we are on TikTok. So make sure you get on there and have a look at some of the crazy stuff that we're doing and some of the fantastic places that we are visiting in the community team. Um, this has been great. And um, I always appreciate all of you for listening. So that has been another episode of the ATAZ of Sustainability. Hope you have a great morning, afternoon, evening, depending on what time you're listening to this. Have a fantastic day. Thank you so much, Alistair. Thank you. Remember to download the Yazy app and you can find us on all social media at Yazy app.